All right, it is May 11th, uh, so the PFF forecast. We've got um, a couple of cool things that we're doing today. We're going to talk a little Dak, some Deshaun. We've got the first iteration of the 2020 season simulated. That's going to be fun to talk about, so we'll go through a look at the projections for those teams. Um, and then apparently you've got some great Mother's Day stories. I don't know, you just threw this in the dock, so I'm going to have to get some, some uh, information, some more information on that. Um, that's what we've got today, so let's rock. Mother's Day, what'd you do? Well, it was the my second daughter's sixth birthday as well. So it was a, like, it was a lot. Um, we bought, I bought a, like, a nice dinner from uh, Ruth Chris. Had to go pick it up downtown. Wow. It's a ghost town. Uh, we had the uh, fire department so drive by and honk at Chloe when she was standing outside. Wow. Yeah, it was a, an eventful That's day. Well I don't done. feel... The hard part with Mother's Day and a birthday being on the same day, I don't feel like either person felt like they got enough, which is always a little oh, disappointing. Yeah. Because I was going to say that maybe the, the issue you had is you didn't know which one to tweet about. Because I, I didn't really know if you were celebrating either, to be honest, because I didn't see a formal tweet talking wow. about either your wife or your daughter or how thankful you were for both of them. Um, that's the thing that I just can't, I can't stand with this stuff is like, well, I, people my, just my have mother, to, have to my get mother likes doesn't for even themselves. follow me on like my mom and I aren't well, even friends on Facebook anymore. So why would I even post other than that like, sounds like a bigger issue to be honest. Yeah, like, well, I, of course, but, but like, why, why even, and why would I even like tweet it out? Like who cares? You know, like not to say that I don't care yeah. about my mom. I'm just saying that like, no one else, like, I could say Happy Mother's Day to her if I wanted to, but I don't need to say it to 14,000 followers or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Yep. That's, uh, that's honestly the piece that I just don't get. And I did some muting of some people yesterday because I was just like, I, I just can't, uh, I, I just don't want to see that today. I don't need it from you. Um, go do what you want for your mother. I'll do what I can for my mother, and we'll call it a day. And then we'll watch the last dance together, and everyone will tweet about that um, <laughs> at the same time. Here's the big news. I've punted on the hair situation, and I'm going hat. I'm probably going hat from now on out. I've got one hat uh, that I brought <laughs> with me. I'm still living out of a suitcase. Um, I'm surprised that's my big one news. hat, frankly. I, you know what? If I... I had some foresight. I thought, look, there's a chance that I don't go back to Cincinnati for a while. My hair won't get cut, and um, I'll need a hat. So I have a hat. That's my news. Um, What do you want to get into first here? Well, did you watch the UFC, our our first uh, live sporting event in the United States in two months? No, I didn't. Did you? I didn't. I did gamble on it, though. So you get so you bet on it, didn't watch, woke up the next morning and just checked. Yeah. There was like, you I, know, I have friends I follow on Twitter that were like jokingly talking about which sides they were taking. Me, a junkie yeah. at this point, 
uh, just like, you know, put like 25 bucks on a few plays. I think I ended up even, maybe a little down. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it didn't make me feel any more alive, which was, I think, Dana White's goal. Um, in fact, I think a few people felt a little less alive after. <laughs> well, I saw but, some pictures. Yeah, but, uh, but it was, yeah. So, so you were not a UFC aficionado. You're waiting no. until the golf match. Yeah, I'm definitely going to bet on Manning, Brady, uh, Woods, Mickelson. So it's, it's Phil and, um, and Tom versus Tiger and Peyton. And I think Tiger and Peyton are kind of going to smoke them because they just have so many advantages. Here's, here's my thing, though, with the UFC. I've bought in fights. I've, I've purchased fights before and have just not felt like I got anywhere near my money's worth. And for 70 bucks, like, I... I, we're lucky enough to have jobs, but like I'm still not at a point where I'm just kind of like tossing seventy dollars out there, you know? Like that's a meal. Like I, I would just, I'm, I'm fine without nice it. So flex, I, I did by not. The way. Yeah. So um, thank you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I think I'm all the way down as far as entertainment's concerned to like ESPN Plus, but like the normal version, just out of respect, like five bucks a month. And then mm-hmm. Netflix and Amazon Prime. I'm not even like an, I'm not even Hulu right now. I'm not Sling. Like there's no college football on. There's no like, XFL on even right. So like, what's the point? Like, and to pay like basically what it costs to get Hulu for a month for just a bunch of fights when I don't really get what's sort of going on doesn't make a lot of sense. Are you? Uh, this would be the last non-football uh, related question. Are you saving money right now? As far as like just because of the the whole pandemic thing, do you feel like you're saving money? On one hand, yes. Like there's no, you know, we're not driving cars, right? So like there's none of that. Um, we're not traveling, so we're not going to see family or anything. So there's that. Um, I we're mostly saying yes to like everything though that the girls want. So like right. iPads. We bought an inflatable pool in the backyard. Uh, I would say net yes, but. Um, but yeah, it's not like, you know, it, it's not a come up <laughs> and it, you know, it's, uh, but, but there are things we're saving on, but then we're also like ordering food more, you know, which is right. costly. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I, I find myself every night being on the precipice of like, well, maybe I should just order out and, well, um, I don't well, know. It's yeah, tough. I, I, mean, I would, cause... I would say I'm kind of in the same boat. Well, because because you can convince yourself like, hey, look, I'm like helping this like Chinese restaurant down the street, you right. know, and, and you don't realize yeah. that you're like they're paying through the roof for DoorDash fees and stuff. Dude, I had so the thing that I did for my mom for Mother's Day was I like ordered her dinner and had it delivered and getting so she's not in a place where she can drive right now because she's with my sister who just had. A procedure and can't really get in the car so it had to be delivery and the place that I really wanted was three and a half miles away and they only deliver within a three mile radius and so, so it was it took away more of my day than I that, wanted that's to not but as like bad those are the things the time you, I went rogue and ordered I think I ordered Chipotle but on the Chipotle app because it was like BOGO and I forgot to switch the address from our office to my house <laughs> 
And so I get this call from some like number and like random Virginia number saying, Hey, I got your stuff. I'm like, well, where are you? It's like central parkway. And of course, like I'm sinking, right? Because I'm like, it's not a trivial drive down there. (laughs) Like, uh, but you go pick it up. I did. I mean, and I gave her like an extra, like $10 or something. Like, I I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is trying time for all of us. And like, if this is the, and then here's the thing. If this is a trying, if this is trying for us, obviously we understand that it's it's a lot worse for others, and we we have sympathy. Right, that's a good point. Um, I've been tipping. I've been very generous with my tipping. Uh, Tess, Tess, and Boog are no longer. That was kind of the other news from this yeah. week, and I'm just very curious. So here's here's my take on the whole thing. I really do not believe that Tess and Boog were driving people away from Monday Night Football. No one was tuning in or tuning out because of them. To me, this was a ESPN looks at who they have in their talent pool, and they go, we might lose Dan Orlovsky, we might lose Lewis Riddick if we don't put them in there right now. And so my, my gut would tell me they're going to put those two guys yeah. or one of those two guys in there just a year, a year early just so they don't lose them down the road. But... I feel like it's going to be a loss because I loved, as much as I disagreed with some of the things that Boog said, he was like, he brought comedic relief. I yeah. don't know that those other two will. It's not Booger's fault that the second Monday Night Football game of the year was Oakland versus Denver. It's not Boog's fault that the second Monday Night Football game was Trevor Simeon and the Jets against the Browns. Like, the the games on Monday Night Football, there were some good ones. Like, Vikings-Seahawks was good. Seahawks-Niners was good. Um... There were a few others, but the schedule is what's the worst part about that. Like, and Boog at least like you know will draw a penis on the field or something and like entertain us. And you know, and he's not he doesn't take himself too seriously, which I think maybe his pre you know his uh, successor will. And I don't know the whole like hey let's get rid of these guys so we don't lose these other just reminds me of like when the Bucks fired Lovey Smith so they could keep Dirk Cutter like. Okay, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for. I am very curious to see who shows up in the um, play-by-play role because that's the area where I just don't I don't see it naturally. Like maybe it's Steve Levy, but um, I, I, there doesn't seem like there's a rising star there. Um, whereas you feel as though okay, Orlovsky Riddick perfect for that situation. It's sad though, because I, like I legitimately thought, Boog, you know, got he got like totally the short end of the stick, right? It's like okay, we're gonna put you on a buggy in the middle of the field. People are gonna hate yeah. you because you're blocking their view. Uh, and then we're gonna kick Wit out, and we're gonna bring you up because you can't possibly be as bad as Wit. And then oh, at the same time, you've got Joe Testor who thinks he's calling a boxing match like next to you, and it was a lose lose situation for him. I hope he finds something that that he can. Um, actually get like a fair shot at because if you would just put a decent play-by-play guy, I feel like that could have been been the move. But clearly well, they're moving on. I'm and sorry. I and I think it's I think it's um, tricky because you know the 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 smart move in my opinion. I mean the last time, I mean, obviously Mike Tirico's not coming back, but he was great. Prior to Mike though, it was Mike Patrick who was doing Sunday Night Football before NBC took over. And yeah, he's getting longer in the tooth, but like sometimes, I mean, that job, 
Wouldn't you would you guess that like the color guy is more like a skill position player, and the play by play guy is more like a lineman, where you kind of have to like the play by play guys just got to not screw up, and kind of set the table. And there's like it's obviously less if the play by play guy is brilliant, that's less of a it's less of a marginal benefit than a, the marginal loss if he's terrible, right? And oh, I'd you, agree there. If I'd agree. Get, that's a good comparison. If you yeah. get, if you give like, if you say, okay, like let's get Mike Patrick in there. I mean, he's a little older, but he he was terrific when he did it prior. And like, unless the guys become Dick Stockton and completely lost his fastball ten years ago, we'll be fine. And then yeah, let's like let's try to get a, a color guy who's a force multiplier. Now there's, I mean, not to dig. I think Lewis Riddick will probably be fine. I'm not a huge fan of Orlowski, but like. Kurt Warner would be great. Nate Burleson would be awesome. Like, Nate's, like, one of the yep. better thinkers in all of football media, in my opinion. Like, there's a ton of things you can do there. Um, but that's a place where I think, like, brilliance really does enhance the whole thing. I mean, you've seen with that NBC, you know, first they had Madden in there, who was he's awesome and brought so much. And then Chris came in and did it in a different way, but every bit, you know, elevated that to what it is today. The, the play-by-play guy, like, you just need to... You just need to get the ball in the green, kind of, I think. If you brought in a play-by-play guy that was trying to be boring and just let the other guys do stuff, you wouldn't lose a ton. What you lost with Tessator was that he was just, like, losing his mind after screen calls by by Andy Reid, right? And it was just like, I don't I – yeah. this is taking away from the right. – the overall which, juice which is which is what one of the reasons did? why people hate buck and they it, you know people pretended like they didn't like pat summerall but but the, those guys were great because they let the play breathe a little bit yeah and and al is great because he just has a he just talks like he he's just so good at it that it's just him having a conversation and talking about the game if, and he doesn't over overdo anything buck i think has gotten way better at that like to me buck as of late has been more um, casual, a little more, just kind of loose with it, yeah. and I think that's helped quite a bit. Well, um, if I, I was, just don't know if who... I was an aspiring play-by-play person, I would not try to be like Al Michaels, though, because Al Al has so much more talent than everybody else. It'd be if you tried to replicate that, it'd be hard, right? Whereas at least if you you could try to be more like Summerall and Buck, which I think Buck is, has you know evolved into, and I think it's a smart move on his side. Like, don't you agree? Like Al. Al just is like, I don't know. It, it's sort of like trying trying to replicate Mahomes' arm talent, right? Well, Al's just, I mean, Al's obviously amazing at it. He has a great voice. But he's gotten so many reps in so many big situations that he's just kind of always drawing on being excellent in some area, yeah. right? Like, he, he's just done it all. So if you're going to come in there and be like, I'm going to just all of a sudden do this, you can't because you haven't had that much that much time and that much experience. So yeah, obviously not. I would say if you're going to come in and be good as a play-by-play guy, the the number one thing you have to have is an understanding of what your um, color guy is doing, right? Like that, you have to understand exactly how they process the game, when they're going to say what they're going to say, and that's going to help you not, you know, overdo it. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they who they bring in. Okay, let's talk um, a little bit about. Uh, let's let's get the Watson uh, Chicago thing out of the way here. Do you? So there have been conflicting reports. He he says the Bears never talked to me. Um, 
Then there's some tweets that surface of him on the Rich Eisen show saying that he talked to the Bears. Who do you believe? <laughs> no, I, I I firmly believe that the that the Bears at least had some contact with him. Um, and the the hard part is that we want to paint this. The hard part is is the truth is the truth is nuanced here, right? Because the the whole reason this started was because was that Doug Gottlieb said that like you know. NFL teams don't take race into consideration when they draft QBs. Mm-hmm. And here and here's the hard part. They totally do. Like if you look at if you look at history, we've gotten a lot better and, you know, the fact that I don't know, 70% of the top quarterbacks in the NFL are African American now is a testament to that. But if you, I mean, and, and our colleague Kevin Cole, you know, tweeted this out. If you look at, you know, sort of, you know, the consent, the consensus wisdom of, you know, draft experts is still is biased towards white quarterbacks and white quarterbacks that are of certain stature. Um, that doesn't mean that any one particular team is acting out of racism when they draft a white quarterback or or don't consider a black quarterback as highly as everybody else does. Right? They are just responding to the marketplace and. So people get offended when you're like, well, you point out that like Lamar Jackson was drafted 25 spots below Josh Allen. That isn't to imply like almost everybody had that ordering except for, you know, maybe us, I think. That's not to imply the actual team that executed that draft pick is is doing so nefariously. The same thing with the Bears. Like the fact that the Bears took you like we had Trubisky ahead of Watson and that probably an error. Right. They're just responding to the marketplace. The individual actors are, I don't think, are the places are is the place to put any of the blame here. It, it's the consensus, right? And the consensus has biases built in, right? I mean, that's a tough thing to say because we all want to build villains, but it, it, I don't think the villain is concentrated here. I would agree. I mean, I thought if if it really was the case that the Chicago Bears did not talk to Deshaun Watson before the draft. Like that's just a fireable offense, right? To just not yeah. do due diligence on the top 5, 10, 15 quarterbacks if you're going to draft a quarterback. That's just a, a a huge error on the side of the Bears for not regardless of, of skin color, obviously, yeah. not doing due diligence. Um, but it is a super interesting situation that we where we're at in the league and you mentioned the thing that that I thought was most striking is that so many of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now are African American, which is awesome to see. And that's despite, I think the, the inherent biases, which are, Hey, if the guy looks like Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence, he just has a leg up. And the way that people are going to describe the guy's weaknesses are not going to be nearly as, um, I don't know what the right word is here. They're not gonna be nearly as sharp as they would be if it were for someone that looks different than them. Well, so, yeah, and the, the there's another thing. I mean, there there's a survivorship bias too, right? Um, in my opinion, like, and, and I don't have the data in front of me, but I'm you know more or less just making you know a, a, an educated guess that you know about uh, socioeconomic status. But if you are, and this isn't true about Fields, we actually talked about this with Seth, but like you know many times. If you are from a, a a more disadvantaged economic standing, right, you don't get to go to the camps, you don't get to go to the, you don't you don't get groomed, right? And somebody who's been groomed, like think about Christian Hackenberg, somebody who's been groomed from the moment that they stepped on a football field, 
all the way to when they're selected second over second round by the Jets hasn't dealt with adversity, hasn't had to prove anybody wrong, hasn't had to, you know, the NFL is the first time that they they feel any sort of perturbation and like, you know, they, they respond accordingly, which somebody like, you know, um, you know, look at like Russell Wilson. I mean, I'm, I'm actually not sure about his background in terms of like whether he you know, was privileged in any sort of way. But he goes to NC State, starts there for four years or three or four years. He gets replaced by Mike Glennon, right? Graduates, yeah. goes to Wisconsin, win, goes to the Rose Bowl, gets drafted third. Like there's none of none of that is like a privileged situation. He's dealing with setbacks the whole time and so when he gets in the nfl and the nfl is just constant setbacks for literally every single quarter mahomes kneecap was on the back side of his knee last year at one time right you know there, there there's might there may be just more of a response there you know deshaun watson was you know he had two game-winning drives against against alabama in a national championship game and he ended up winning one of them like there's just so much more there um you know in, in terms of possibly having to overcome things that I think the survivorship bias is such that if if a player comes out of uh, that group, they're probably going to be better just by you know uh, just by what they withstood. Uh, guess where um, Russell Wilson was born? Uh, Fayette, North Carolina. No, Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, so yeah. we're, all we do is produce Joe Burrow and uh, now uh, Russell Wilson. The Christ Hospital in Cincinnati. He grew up in Richmond, Virginia. His dad uh, played football and baseball at Dartmouth and was a wide receiver for the now non-existent San Diego Chargers. Okay, so uh, he he has some. The there's some privilege there for sure. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, and it looks like his entire family is pretty athletic. But I mean, it just brings up like kind of a larger point, which is, you know, it, not all things in life are are fair and we're not in a place where everyone is doing things the right way yet and we can still have these good conversations that move us forward the bigger thing here is that the bears might have given less of a thought to deshaun watson than mitch trubisky right They're like they didn't give him the same shot at earning their high that high of a draft yeah. grade right like i think that seems to me the takeaway have we right? like have we resolved though the fact that in the same draft the 49ers are basically in the same draft position and you know we're not interested in Mahomes I, I you, you know what I mean like I I would say that that's where that's where I I say that I don't think any of the blame is concentrated on individual decision makers at some level mm mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think it's just that none of all of us thought Mahomes was a, an erratic quarterback when the data suggested in his final season that that was not true, you know. Right. Uh, and you know, everybody talked about Watson's arm strength, and I think that that's still a legitimate concern. But we over, you know, whereas with Trubisky, like we all just grab it. We we forgot the fact that Marquise Williams started over him for three years. Like, I, you know, that is actually a really interesting question to go back and look at why the Niners were not. We're not considering yeah. either of those two guys. I mean, I which, think it's one of Shanahan's weaknesses in that he zeroes in on particular players, right? Because he was he was waiting for Cousins to become a free agent in 2018. He zeroes in on you know in the news this week, Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Cole, like you know what I mean. Where mm-hmm. I think I think he's he's a little bit too precise in that way, right? And that might be his, that you know obviously it hasn't been his downfall yet, but it might be. Yeah, it's like they'd kind of they'd basically just decided, 
hey, we're not going to we're not going going to invest there this season. And everyone just kind of accepted that that was going to be the case. Yeah. And yeah, you know, and you end up with Solomon Thomas, which is a whole different. <laughs> you can get heat up the thing. middle, though. To to quote a bad defensive line Thomas. coach that passed away today, John Tierling. It's, it's not Solomon Thomas's fault that that happened. Um, Poor guy. Uh, anything else on the the whole Watson Bears thing? I, I, what is fascinating to me about Watson is like, where is he even playing? You know, in a couple of years. Um, well, you you saw my tweet that said, you know, should we back off of Ryan Pace a little bit because as a you know for for thinking Trubisky was good three years ago when last season everybody in in you know Bear Down Nation was telling us how stupid we were for thinking Trubisky wasn't a top flight quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it, Pace was just two years ahead of all of you. What. The tough thing for Ryan Pace in reading that that long article that was like kind of detailing the process was that it seemed pretty clear that he was trying to do the right thing but had fallen in love with Trubisky way earlier than anyone in the right mind should have. Yeah. And you know, if I'm paraphrasing here, basically he had just he had tapped Trubisky as the guy. He didn't tell anyone in the organization and wanted to see if they came to the same conclusion. Now they did, and so it was like, you know, they, they were sold on it. But he locked in on a guy that you probably should just never lock in on at that position that early to begin with. And then certainly a guy like Trubisky, you should not lock in on that early in the process either. And probably, you know, miss the opportunity to maybe be swayed in a different direction than then Trubisky, certainly maybe not to, to trade up and maybe even move down and say, hey, you know, wherever the chips fall, they fall. Um, but I, It's hard, right? I mean... The, yeah, it's it's tough. The, honestly, the only thing, the, the toughest thing for me is the fact that he traded up. Right. The Niners, I mean, you just have to read the market better, right? You, you, you gave up a significant amount for him. None of us are going to be... You know, so for example, the Chiefs, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, put, always bring it back to them, but the Chiefs gave up a decent amount to move up from 27 to 10 in the same draft, and one of those draft picks was Tredavious White, and no one cares, right? Because he ends up being good. I mean, the 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 true issue, the trade up is bad, but a trade up for a quarterback, I think, will I'll always forgive. I'm not upset that the Packers traded up for Jordan Love. I'm upset that they drafted Jordan Love, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The the Trubisky. By all, you know, projection. Trubisky's a better, like, okay, here's a question. Is Trubisky better than Josh Allen? No. Okay. Just because Allen will run more? Yeah, I think they're both. So this is a great question. Would you rather have Trubisky or Josh Allen? I'd rather have Josh Allen because of the unknown. but But I'm wondering about currently because... Trubisky's best season was better than Allen last year. This is fascinating. Here's the thing with Trubisky. Mentally, I I just think it's the ship has sailed. So if you're saying from this point on, it's I Josh don't think Allen. it's a question because there's the unknown it's, with Allen for sure. Yeah, it's not even it's not even a question. Um, are you talk, So are you saying look if we went back and looked at it, you know, two years ago? Is that what you're getting I'm at? I'm saying, who is a better prospect? Oh, who's a better prospect? Yeah, well, Trubisky is a better prospect. Mm-hmm. And Trubisky yeah. so far has been the better player. Yeah, it's I mean, just a matter of, 
of going forward, you'd obviously take the guy who maybe has a chance mentally of like yeah. overcoming some things. And Trubisky clearly does not. Trubisky better and yards it, per attempt, better. Uh, I don't think he's better touchdown. Yeah, he's better touchdown interception ratio. He's better completion percentage by five percent. Now he plays in Chicago, which is a little bit better than Buffalo, but not all that much better. It's not that big of a difference. The 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 thing that was interesting last year, he's also five games above 500, where Allen is two, three games. I mean, they're not that dissimilar. Now, you tell a Bears fan, you're like, hey, look, like, you know, Trubisky's actually better. They'll get mad because, you know, the Bears' offense was atrocious last year, like yards per play, all that kind of stuff. The Bills weren't that much better. The The question, beca- like, when you circle it back, though, like, you know, it's a question. Uh, it's a question about, like, you know, is Trubisky is Trubisky going to be the future for the Bears? No. Is you know did he have some moments? Yes. Um, but you know it, it's not a complete flop in like the Josh Rosen sense of the word, right? Like he's been a playable quarterback for about half the games of his career. But that's not good enough. But it, it's something. Trubisky, sixty-four passing grade last three seasons. Josh Allen, sixty point two. So I mean they're right there. Um, it's the running thing, though, right? Like, with either one of those guys, you're going to have to be able to run them to succeed. Well, and and Josh Allen is, at least has a chance. Well, last season, there. last season, Trubisky carried the ball 20 fewer times than he did the prior season, despite playing a game extra. It was, it very much felt like, you know, Nagy was sort of, like, trying to prove to the decision makers in Chicago that Trubisky couldn't, couldn't succeed unless Nagy put it on a platter for him, right? And yeah, but I, I also think that was the, an injury thing, right? Like he, yep. he, he, is, he was banged up, and it was like, look, we're not, we're not going to take the risk of injuring this guy. If we're going to succeed, he's got to be able to throw the ball, and so we're going to give him a chance to throw the ball. And I, that, that isn't necessarily fair. I mean, I, I don't know the extent of the injury thing. That isn't totally fair to Trubisky, but I would not... I would guess that if you're looking at both of those guys and you say, what's a path to them being successful? The, the path that leads to Josh Allen being successful allows for a lot more running of the football from the quarterback position. Let me make a, let me make a poll here. Let me make a, a, the second time in three episodes we're going to make a poll. Who is better, Mitch Trubisky or Josh Allen? I'm going to tweet it out here. I'm going to guess that people feel very strongly in Josh I think it'll Allen's be like 70-30, Josh Allen. At, uh, oh, you think that I think it would be 90-10. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm I'm regressing to the market then, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, it, no doubt right now it's it's Josh Allen, but if you go back and you take a look at where they were as prospects, it's very interesting. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to move on to um, a little DAC discussion here. And Dak discussion. Yeah, exactly. So I, I have a theory, and I'm curious if what you think about this theory here. So Stephen Jones comes out and says, hey, there's some math that says you can't compete for a Super Bowl if you are paying a quarterback, you know, this much. Twenty the, the first twenty votes were for Josh Allen. There you go. <laughs> um and he's saying this while the the team that he represents has, is paying Ezekiel Elliott, you know, signed into a contract two years before they needed to, that is paying him more than any other running back out there, and yet is kind of balking at paying Dak Prescott 
you know, not the highest, you know, I think they could probably get a deal done for what, like 30, 35 maybe per year, which would put them right there with Russell Wilson, certainly below the 40, the 40 million thresh, threshold, but you're not resetting the market there. You could probably get them for something that's not resetting the market. And I know the sound this probably sounds a little crazy, but is he, are they stalling right now? Maybe because of the unknown with the pandemic. Could they be looking at this and saying, hey, we don't know if this season is for sure going to happen. We don't know if there's going to be some forecasts around the salary cap that say, you know, and there have been some already, but some more kind of solid proof that the salary cap is going to come down maybe $50, $70 million. Mm -hmm. And we just need to find a way not to pay, not to put all this money into DAC just quite yet. Yeah, I was asked this question on our friend Soren Petro show, and I said it's scary, right? Because some of these teams have a lot of big contracts, and they don't have that many people under under uh, contract next year. And like, it's not the league is going to give, I think, some allowances to teams, right? That you know. You know, they'll allow them to delay the contract. But new contracts are going to be dicey, right? So don't mm-hmm. you think, though, that that would just be a uh, a call to get this deal done as quickly as possible? Maybe. You know but what I'm saying? Because you... if, hmm. let's say that in August, we find out that the season's only 12 games long, the salary cap next year is down 40%, and all this kind of stuff. Like all, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Jerry Jones isn't going to get to go to the league and say, yeah, but we don't have a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Chiefs, if they sign Mahomes to a big deal, like let's say now, they can go to the league and say, hey, we didn't know. You know? You know what I'm saying? Because like the new yeah. money available to sign the big players next year, yeah, I agree, it's going to be dried up. But that to to me that just means to lock in the play and and Dallas I, I love what Dallas is doing almost everywhere and I think it's unfair frankly in some sense to get on them about Zeke when they waited and waited and then eventually t- toppled right like there's smart people in the Dallas Cowboys organization that caused that holdout to happen caused the delay to happen and it just right. they, they lost the battle right and and I'm you know. <sighs> I think that the the uncertainty would cause me, if I'm running a team, to to hoard the players, to to sign the players that I, I need to have in the future right now. Okay, but could you say if we kick the can down the road to next off season and the cap has gone down a ton, that we could then say, hey, we'll sign you, but this is you know we're bound by the the cap here, and we've got to pay you this. And then you get this incredible deal. I don't think the players are going to think that way, though, because there's always going to be a team. I mean, the the play that they might be making what, is saying, what if the what if the cap goes? What's the cap going to be? Two hundred and fifteen million next year. If it goes down seventy million dollars, then there's going to be no there's going to be no room to sign these guys, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. But it, you know, the tricky part is what's going to happen with the the. Um, franchise tag right because it the the rules of the franchise tag are you know the top you know the average of the top five players of position that'll probably still be the same even if right 
things go. So signing Dak to the franchise tag is only going to be a plausible situation if they scale that down with a cap, right? Um, right. I, I don't know. What are the the alternative is to go with Andy Dalton, which I actually don't hate, right? I don't think Dalton sucks. And, you know, McCarthy's a pretty good coach and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it would be a shame, I think, if they've groomed Dak for all this time and ultimately he doesn't get to, you know, they don't get to see it pan out. And it would and be a shame for Dak because where's Dak going to play? Right. Well, It's the same question about Cam Newton. No, it, it is. And here's what I'm wondering if the Cowboys are thinking. If they're going, okay, if the Seahawks, so if the, let's say the cap goes way down. Now, I think there would be some kind of league bailout to be honest with you, because I don't think that the NFL would go, oh, yeah, we can just slice the cap by $70 million and let the teams figure it out. So to me, there would be some kind of bailout. But let's say that they're looking at this and they go, okay, who are the guys that are being paid the most? It's Russell Wilson. uh, It's Ben Roethlisberger. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Jared Goff. It's Kirk Cousins. It's Carson Wentz. Those are the guys in average per year that are higher than uh, than Dak right now on on the tag. And you look at that and you go, okay, how many of those teams do you actually feel have a chance to win the Super Bowl? I'm asking you. Of those guys, it's, it's what, Wilson and, and Rodgers? I don't even think Rodgers. Honestly, I think that's a 9-10 win team. I mean, the Steelers probably have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Green Bay Packers do. <laughs> okay, I, I can get on board so, with that. And, and it's not that many. And frankly, Seattle is only a, a contender because of Wilson. But they look at those right. But they look at those those quarterbacks, and you go, okay, well, why are those guys making that much money? And you look at Jared Goff, and it's like, okay, well, because he got had a chance to set the market, and they did. Why is Kirk Cousins making that much money? He had a chance to set the market, and they did. And what it was, it was an overpaying of a guy because the team was so worried about losing them. And they go, okay, if we end up having the cap slashed, and we've already paid Dak a contract that's commensurate with that. We are in a place where we can't win because Dak isn't Russell Wilson. So I do think there's a bit of this, and, and the way that Stephen Jones said it is going to anger some people because I think what he's really trying to do is maybe kick the can down the road and say, we're not going to do this quite yet because if we find ourselves in a situation where the cap is contracted and we're paying Dak Prescott $35 million a season, then we're going to have to make some cuts in other yeah. places and we're just going to have and no maybe, shot. And maybe they think, as we might, that he's a quarterback that's extremely dependent on the external stuff, right? And it, and if they it, if and all of those guys are, except for Russell Wilson, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, I it, it's a tricky one. It, it, it's very much a tricky one. And I think what I don't what I don't like I, there's a couple of things about this story that just irk me. The first one is the like that. Anybody can use the phrase analytics to sort of, and it's like this way with the pandemic too. It's like anybody can use data or analytics to like talk out of both sides of their mouth sometimes if, if, if people aren't being rigorous. Right. So it, there, it is pretty like clear that if you pay your quarterback too much of a fraction of the cap and you slough off everywhere else, that you're not going to be a good football team. Like that's true. Right. We wrote about that last year. Right, I mean, the, and, the and point about be... Dak, about Dak, but the Cowboys have not done that. The Cowboys are actually pretty uh, throw the Z contract out, and they're pretty smart. 
That's a big one to throw out. Well, right. And so then the Zeke, but then we just talked about like the Zeke thing is, the Zeke thing sucks. But there, it's not the Zeke thing wasn't a product of the Cowboys being the uh, as an organization being stupid. Yeah, the Zeke thing was the product of ultimately caving right to I think public pressure and also sort of like the Carolina Panthers sort of situation where they're like, uh, you know, because at this time last year Dak wasn't considered all that good, and they're like, well, we need to face the franchise, and it's like. Zeke in 2022 is going to be nearly 8% of the cap. Yeah, I, believe um, me. I'm not saying the contract is smart. I'm saying that the contract I'm, – I'm saying that the Dallas Cowboys are not any more dumb than anybody or, else yeah, because yeah. they have that one contract on their books. Here's another kind of interesting question. Could the Cowboys trade Zeke still? Um, Would someone trade for Ezekiel Elliott? The Jets? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what if what if the Josh Jags? Allen stinks this year? Like not stinks, but like Trubisky's this year. Like Trubisky last year, but like right? Are you saying the Bills trade for Zeke Elliott? They're too smart too. Though. That's the problem. They're a smart organization. Yeah. The, I, I'm thinking of a team where they're like, gosh, we're really just missing that. Like 1989 Vikings type. I mean, yeah. the Texans, I feel like the Texans would just offer Watson for Elliott because they're trying to get rid of all of their good, their good players yeah. and trade for running backs. Rams, um, maybe? The Rams don't have draft picks. It, it's just a question because his contract becomes pretty much untenable, and you can't cut him. And I'm trying to think of how they would move salary in, in a situation like this. But I keep coming back to what Stephen Jones was saying is not, hey – I'm referencing analytics, and this there's some you know. Hard, right. I think he knows. I think what he's trying to say, without saying it, is we don't think Dak Prescott is Russell Wilson. We don't think Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes. Which you can't say it, publicly. Which you can't say publicly. And if the con- if the contract gets signed now under this salary cap, and the salary cap because of COVID nineteen just takes a nosedive, we're in a position far worse than the Rams or the Vikings find themselves right now, which is a quarterback that is not top five that's getting paid top five money. And that's where we can't succeed because those quarterbacks are reliant on their surrounding, their supporting cast, and that will eat up too much money for us to build a very good supporting cast. All right, let's put our let, let's plant the flag here then, okay? Let's say this is, and I, and I don't mean to insult Dak this way, but let's say that it's a Brock Osweiler Denver situation where – he, they have their number. Mm-hmm. He, ha- he has no intention of going underneath that number. And, you know, it, kind of, it, it didn't work out for Denver because the quarterbacks they replaced Brock with sucked. But I think, still think it was obviously a smart process because Brock was shown to be a fraud later on. Are you, if they say, look, Dak, like we're not paying you this much money. And he says, okay, well, I'm not playing. And they go into the season with Andy Dalton. Are you still betting over that win total? No. Okay, because I could be convinced to. I could be convinced to as well if it were a vacuum. But here's the problem. I, I, I like Andy Dalton as a backup, 
the place where Andy Dalton doesn't quite get it done for me, and Bruce talked about this, was he's not going above and beyond. And in that, that locker room has got to be super tough. And in situations where you've got to have it, I want Dak on, on my team over Andy Dalton 10 times out of 10. So I am making, I would make a concession up to a certain point. But the, the place where they've aired is not having a conversation with Dak last season, you know, last offseason, getting this done then. Now they're in a, in a really tough situation. You can't make a hard cutoff, though. I mean, that's the thing, right? You've got to kind of have a sliding scale where it's like, hey, here's, our, here's the places that we can make some exceptions and we can get you to this number and, you know, and, yeah. and show you some good faith. And if you don't want to accept that, then okay. Then we'll not, we're not going to do it and we're not going to sign anything. Um, and I think Dak is a reasonable enough person to do that. I mean, Dak's got to be in a situation, too, where he goes, okay, if I decide not to play and then the salary cap goes down, I could be in a real, you know, like this is $32 million that I might never see again. Right? Yeah. No, it, it's, he, he's a former fourth round pick, right? So it's, it's a different calculus for him and than if he somebody who was picked in the top team, 10 or something. If he goes to, the, one of the reasons he's making so much money outside of football is because he's the quarterback for the Cowboys. Like he should understand how valuable it is to be the quarterback of the Cowboys and to be winning as the quarterback of the Cowboys. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Here's a funny thing that I was thinking about this weekend. What if it comes out that uh, the Cowboys are waiting to sign him because he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been really faithful to the whole social di- distancing and quarantining, <laughs> and they want to make sure they don't pay a guy that ends up getting coronavirus. Yeah, that's my conspiracy theory of the day. <laughs> that's a, I mean, like I said, he had a I think, party with I with Zeke. Is- I mean. I think Dallas is getting a little bit of Dallas as an organization is getting a little bit of unfair criticism because of the what the Joneses have acted and said, right? But at the same time, those guys are the trigger, and we can't give Dallas a ton of credit if Jerry's the only one drafting on draft night and he does great, and we can't, and then not give him criticism because he's the one um, that uh, you know is is paying Zeke and then not paying. Um, you know, Dak. By the way, Josh Allen, 89%. Mitch Trubisky, 11%. I was I've Dude, spot you're, on. You're, hey, you're sharp. Look, 321 votes, too, at least. That's but the, the comments are actually my favorite. Like, uh, our Any friend uh, Jack Dufflin, uh, do I want to get poked in the right eye or the left eye? Ooh. Uh, somebody tweeted the Pam picture. They're the same picture. Um I like the comments more than anything. Someone has a Bortles greater than Trubisky, greater than Allen, greater than Herbert, which is really not. Which not which which segues I think into our simulation here because yep. the 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 thing and I, I muted the comments because I just couldn't take it. But the the Los Angeles Chargers in our simulation do very poorly. Mm-hmm. And. I wrote this myself before I did the simulation. When you look at seven and a half for their win total, I have a hard time going under. But the math, the the simulation suggests that they're going to be bad. And I now, think it's entirely the quarterback slash, and you know, not to be me, but the the head coach quarterback situation is one of the worst in the league. Well, let's think about this for a second. They have they have the Chiefs. 
on one side who are going to, you know, they're just the Chiefs, right? So they're going to trounce them. They've got the Broncos who have gotten a lot better. And the Broncos have always had a worse quarterback than the Chargers. And yet somehow there's not a huge gap between the Chargers and the Broncos, right? Like the, the, the Chargers have managed to play worse um, than they should have, given that they've had a better quarterback. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they don't have that quarterback. And I think it will be an eye-opening experience for a lot of people who have not given Phillip Rivers a lot of credit for being pretty decent when they see Justin Herbert out there trying to do some things. And it, you go, oh, this is, this is what happens when you have a quarterback that doesn't know what he's doing in a situation where, yeah, maybe it was a little harder to actually do good things than we initially anticipated. The tough thing about this, and this is where I, I struggle, because you look at the two teams in our simulation with the best chance at being the worst, <laughs> best chance at winning the fewest number of games, and it's the Jaguars and the Chargers. And you go, okay, the difference between those two teams feels drastic, right? Like you look at the Jaguars and you go, man, they have no talent on this team. You look at the Chargers and you go, wow, they have a ton of talent on this team. Is it really the case that Gardner Minshew is that much better than Justin Herbert? Well, we're forgetting a Tyrod Taylor too, right? Like I, okay. Tyrod, the last time he had his chance to swing the bat was terrible, you know, for the Browns. And... And even for the Bills, he was extremely limited. And they propped him up because, frankly, Sean McDermott and his coaching staff are really good. So I see that combination as not being functional. I also see, like, a level... Like, there's always a chargerness to everything, too. There's the injuries. There's the, um, you know, not having a home field advantage. There's the, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Jacksonville has a lot of those, too. They don't have a great home field advantage. Um but I think Marone and Minshew is a, a, not a standard deviation better than those two, but better. And their schedule, they played in the AFC South. Right. You know, no, like it's, you it's, look at the, char- look at really the Chargers' first five games. On the road against the Bengals. That could very well be a loss. I know the, the NFL did them a solid and put it at 4 o'clock, but it's still... The, the, the Bengals... Tell me the Bengals don't have a better coach-quarterback combination than the Chargers do. Well, if you're if you're trotting out, if both teams are healthy and one has Joe Burrow and one has Justin Herbert, I mean, what well, I don't even know what the line is for that game, but I think it's probably a pick 'em. So they could lose that game. They're good. They they play at quote home against the Chiefs. They play at home against the Panthers, which again I think that that game is a lot more clo- is a lot closer than people realize. Then they go on the road to Tampa, and then they go on the road to the Saints. They could start the season one and four very easily. And then it's kind of a spiral, because here's the problem, and I mentioned this a little while ago, is that team has a group of supporting cast players that are there to win, right? Yeah. And when they when all of a sudden it's very clear that there's one thing that's holding them back, and it's quarterback, and here's the other thing. Cam Newton's a free agent right now. Like, you don't think there are guys in that locker room that just go, okay, you know, I don't know if they're looking at, you know, PFF grade grading or whatever, but like, hey, Cam Newton's out there. He once had a season where he, he had an 87 PFF grade. I've currently got this guy in Justin Herbert. Let's just throw a number out there. Let's say it's 55 for the first five weeks. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you're not giving us a chance to win by picking up this guy that's an obvious 
um, yeah. you know, an obvious upgrade over what we could have had. And that's how I think it snowballs. And that's one of the things in, in, you know, in, in simulating a season that's important to be able to model is where do these things just crater? And the Chargers, as you illustrated, have that possibility to crater. And they're, um, the middle part of their schedule, they go Jets at home, Dolphins on the road, Jaguars at home. Like, they could win those three games. But if you get significant uptick from Darnold, significant, you know, Tua plays or Fitzpatrick plays, right? Well, you get Minshew. Like, that's not – and then they go, you know, Raiders, Broncos, Bills, Patriots, Falcons. Like, that's not a cakewalk either. And then they finish with Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs to finish it off. And by then, like, we saw what happened to them last year. Once the, the bottom fell out, they were not competitive. You know, and, and you know, the, the, there was that Vikings game where they were barely underdogs at home. And they play okay for a quarter and a half, and then Rivers fought. And, and here's the other thing. I, I want to, with the Chargers, I think Rivers being so bad last year for him, I think Chargers fans and people that analyze the Chargers don't realize how much of an upgrade he still would be over Herbert or Tyrod Taylor. Don't we think? Yeah, all, you know all what I'm 12 say, of those people. You know what I'm saying? Because he didn't play well last year. He threw interceptions. He fumbled. He, he was not great. But he had that team like in position to win a lot more than they should have, right? Uh, or you know, or he failed in positions that they should have won in, right? Whatever. Like, do, do you think? Do you think we're all underestimating Rivers when projecting the Chargers this year? I agree. But, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And and for him to have been that bad, um, I think is a little of two things. He's probably the worst quarterback to have of the group of good quarterbacks that are out there if your situation is a little suboptimal. Because he's not, I don't think he's the type of guy that, that's like, you know, I'm going to create something out of nothing here. He needs something there, and then he can execute it. But this also illustrates that the Chargers had some suboptimal situations that if you bring Justin Herbert in there, there's no way he's doing better than Phillip Rivers is in those situations. So, um, I agree with you. I'd like to. I have a couple of questions here, so you can go to pff.com and check out the the whole article on the, the simulations. But there were some things that stuck out to me that I want to have a discussion about. So I'm going to read the the five teams that we have with the best chance to win the Super Bowl, and uh, you can stop me when you think there's a team worth discussing. Kansas City Chiefs, 20 percent. Baltimore Ravens, 13. San Francisco 49ers, way too low, a little under 10. Uh, New Orleans Saints uh, are, are actually a little ahead of the – sorry, I have this filtered incorrectly. Give me one second here. Uh, okay, now I have it up. So Kansas City, Baltimore, New Orleans ahead of San Francisco. Then there's San Francisco. And then in number five is the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Now – How, I guess, is the best question. Here's the thing. Um, you, how much How much do you take Tannehill from last year seriously? And th- this is what I came Cause back to. Because to like, me, that's, that's how that's it has to happen. Because we regress our, our initial ratings towards the market, and that hurts Tennessee. The more you do it, it hurt, the more it hurts Tennessee. Um. Which is something, right? It's something to consider. Um, and 
But at the same time, we also regress, and this is this was a tricky thing, and we just started doing it. We regress basically past performances by how distant they are. And as much, you know, you take the playoffs, like Tannehill played pretty well, and he got better as the season went on. Like as far as fundamentally, and you even when you look at clean pocket stuff, Tannehill negatively graded throw rate down a ton. Uh, positive graded throw rate up a ton. Like he's so, I mean, to, and then that division stinks, right? So there's just a ton of advantages that they have that I think people are over, underlooking. Here, th- so I did the same thing, and, and the one outlier here is Tampa Bay, who we just don't know a lot about yet, right? And I, I could see them easily vaulting, you know, into that top five. To me, that they're in that top five. Um, the, another team that's on the outside looking in is probably Dallas. But here's what did it for me. Let's look at the other teams that are in this second cluster of sorts. You've got Seattle, right? Russell Wilson is amazing, but there are a lot of question marks outside of Russell Wilson on that team. Green Bay, question marks everywhere, right? Who, who the hell knows what they're doing? Minnesota, yeah, they have a ton of rookies, but that's a big question mark. They lost Stephon Diggs. Like, who knows how that whole acclimation process is? You've got the Rams and the Colts. Like, the point I'm trying to make is, after you get outside of that top four to five, you can just, and there's a huge, there is a big drop-off. That's the reason I read it in in order without actually saying the percentages. There's a big drop-off from four to five. And once you drop off that whole group, it's like, I really don't know which team has the fewest question marks. And if you're going to say, hey, the biggest question mark for me with the Titans is that Ryan Tannehill performed excellently under pressure, and I expect that to regress. Okay, but he was also fantastic, as you mentioned, from a clean pocket. And so I should take solace in that. And the rest of the team, there's not a ton of huge question marks, right? Like, there aren't. Whereas, you know, with all of these other teams, there are question marks that are out there. So I don't know that you can say the Titans are necessarily way worse or worse than that, that group that I just mentioned. And you look at their schedule, this is sort of the, the why we had to sort of pull the schedule together. A, if you add up the number of wins, so first off, the number of wins above replacement on that team, if you add them up, the Titans actually were either first or second last year. It's not a bad roster. Um, nope. They get a little bit better on defense with Christian Fulton in the draft. Um, I, I think that they, you know, they can have some fun there. But the, the fir- let's look at the first five games this season. At Denver, which is tough. September in Denver is tough. Home to the Jaguars at Minnesota. Then they have three consecutive home games against teams that were in the playoff hunt last year, but I don't think are better than them. Home to Steelers, home to Bills, home to Texans. Then they come here, right, and go to the Bengals. Then they have Bears at home. Then they have... Then they have Colts at home. They have, like, what? what, what is this, uh, six of their first nine games or something like that are at home? Like, th- it's what you said. You can get off to a great start, and then you can get healthy, right? And then you can get, you know, sort of build up for the playoffs. They have the AFC North, which is tough, maybe. And they have the NFC North, which is tough, maybe. But there are a ton of simulations where the NFC North doesn't have a good team. There are a ton of simulations where the AFC North is the Ravens and then a bunch of crap. Like, 
I think it plays out well for them. And then to your point, like it's not that they're a favorite to win the Super Bowl. It's that among the the sort of secondary or the tertiary Chiefs are sort of in their own group, and then the and then you know some secondary teams. The Titans are the first in that tertiary group is because you know, uh, of a lot of the fundamentals that I think people are overlooking. And we've never been all that high in the Titans. So if we are, I, I think you should pay attention. Yeah, it, it was super, I mean, surprising to me. And it was a great thought experiment. And it, it illuminated that there is this jumble of teams in the middle. Um, a couple of teams that I also wanted to talk about that are sort of in this group, but I can't decide if they belong or not. Um, the two teams uh, both have quarterbacks that, that I think we both like, are the Texans and the Eagles. And I I don't know which one I feel is more kind of deserving of a higher, yeah. a, a little more, um, uh, you know, uh, respect. I can go back and forth. The tough thing for the Texans is I do feel they have a lot of, I mean, a lot of question marks yeah. outside of Deshaun Watson. And the Eagles have really seemed to kind of solidify those. Do you think those two teams belong in that jumble of, of teams that we just discussed? I don't think Houston does. I mean, I love Watson as much as anybody, but I just have a hard time seeing it this year. Um, I think we're lower on the Eagles than we should be. Um, and part of that is the market, I don't think, likes them as much. But part of it is just that the Eagles fundamentally were just a bad team last year. Um, injuries were a huge part of it, but also part of it was just that they weren't efficient at anything and they weren't, they didn't cover, like they, they were bailed out by the fact that they had a simple, like to make the playoffs, they had to go through who they had to go through Washington. They had, they were down double digits to Washington. They had to go through New York. They were down double digits at home to New York in, in December of last year. Uh, you know, they beat, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't have a good season last season. And, um, you know, they can recoup a lot. And we talked about this with Minnesota. Like, it's going to be really hard for them um, to, uh, you know, acclimate if there's reduced practice time. Um, I, I kind of want to, you know, when you, when you look at their schedule at Washington, which last season Washington had them down 17 nothing in the first quarter or first half of that game. They're on the road there. They have home to Rams. We don't know what the Rams will be. I, I don't think they'll be terrible. Then they then they have home to Bengals. Then they go to San Francisco, and then at Steelers. Like that's not an easy start to the season. And then yes, they have the three home games starting with. And I want to get this joke off. Uh, <laughs> Ravens at Eagles, which is you know perfect for Old Thomas being in the city of brotherly love. Uh, hat tip to Josh Prisco. Um, and then, yeah, then they finish with Giants, Cowboys in their three-game homestand. So their their schedule is a little, uh, you know, is a little harder than I think people see when they see, okay, two games against Washington, two games against New York. Um, but, you know, I do think they should be higher in our simulation. I'm not sure why they aren't. I think that's great. <laughs> City and brother love, that's great. Um, here's the reason I, I think that the preseason simulation will be lower on them. They are relying on a lot of things regressing back up at the same time. And those rely on some rookie contributions, right? The wide receiver position. We need Jalen Rager. They need Jalen Rager to be good. Um, 
the linebacker position. They need those two draft picks in Wallace and Taylor to be able to come in, at least one of them, they need Wallace, right, to be able to come in and, and play decently well in coverage. Um, and there are some question marks still. Uh, you know, is, is Andre Dillard going to be, you know, the option there for them at left tackle? What, like, what's their offensive line has been great for so long. Does it continue? Those things are big enough that I think there is a reason to push them below the Minnesotas, the Dallases, the um, Indianapolises of the world because those teams, I think, have a few, a few more kind of just people you can count on in those positions uh, of value. So I, I do think we're a little low on them. Um, but I think it's it's warranted given some of the question marks. Well, um, and then and yeah. then the other thing is Doug Peterson is excellent in things that require some positive variance, and True. in some things he's a little weaker. Which I, I I hope this isn't the case, but I could see them leaning into Miles Sanders, which is a good thing relative to running the football with a bad player, but probably not a good thing relative to throwing the football, and that might lead to some things that are a little suboptimal for them that are sort of underneath the 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 um uh the initial sort of collection of analyses but no i'm i'm with you there okay uh you can go check out the article with all of uh our simulation takeaways but for the podcast what's the actionable um takeaway that you've got based on simulation 1.0 <sighs> I think there's a. I think the Titans plus one seventy five to win the AFC North is a very good bet. The South, you mean? The South, yeah. So AFC South. It'd be incredible if they won the AFC, AFC North. Well, that, <laughs> they used to be in the AFC Central when they were the Oilers slash Titans. So maybe that's where my my uh, mind. And, and here's another one. And this this one I got on. You know, I saw on Bet Online. It, it's actually you know uh, less than break even other places. Um, but the moment that the New Orleans Saints become plus something to win the a- NFC mm. South, I think you have to at least sprinkle, especially if, you know, I don't know if we gave this out or, but I, you know, I think both of us have positions on Tampa Bay when they were like plus 200, plus 180, all that kind of stuff to win the NFC South. Yep. But once New Orleans gets to, like they're plus, they were plus 110 last week to win the NFC South. I think that you have to at least, you know, entertain that just given, you know, their dominance in that division over the past few years, the, you know, relative, the the probability being so small that the Carolina Panthers will win that division, and you know the the fact that the Falcons somehow find a way uh, in the wrong way usually that's basically if you you could basically arbitrage that if you have a decent Tampa Bay uh, position at this point. All right, I've got two. The first is the uh, Detroit Lions to win their division, uh, plus seven hundred, and this is based on. I don't think any of the other teams in that division have done a lot to get to get better, right? Like I think the Vikings did, but maybe not this year. And if you just look at how good that team was with Matt Stafford healthy last year, that offense is phenomenal. And I know they took a running back in the second round, but like they they are still an offense that I would be worried about. Seven to one, I, those are those are too good to, to take. I just think that division, those two, th- those three teams at the top. It's a crapshoot. So if you're getting seven to one, I love that. Um, but here's here's the the one that stuck out to me the most, and that's Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. And there's always this, oh, they won it last year. 
you know, with the MVP or the Super Bowl. Like, I just can't envision it happening again because football is all about parity. But in a season where all of these things are going to be up in the air, the advantage that it would give to a team that knows what they're doing at the coach and the quarterback position, I just don't think can be understated. Mm-hmm. And to me, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and you go, wow, that they're seven, plus 750 to win the Super Bowl, so are the Ravens. The Chiefs, to me, just it sticks out. It's like, oh, yeah, they've got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and no matter what happens, I have faith in that duo being great. And I'm not sure you can say that about any other team, even the Ravens with Harbaugh and Jackson. Like, the Chiefs, Mahomes, and Reid in a situation where you don't know what's happening next week, that's something that I would want to bet on. Yeah, and the break-even there is about 11%. As you said a little bit earlier, I mean, we ha- oh, 12%. We have it at about 20 which I think is a little high, but here's here's the thing. They don't – we do a decent amount of regression for coach and quarterback changes. We do a decent amount of regression towards the market. And Kansas City got 20 of 22 starters back. Um, the one draft pick that they have – is I think going to be, you know, he's replacing a player who is a tenth of a win below replacement in, in Anthony Hitchens. Um, running back, you know, obviously, you know, it's whatever at, at that position, but they do they do shore up some situations. The COVID-19 is going to present a lot of challenges, whether it's because, you know, player tests positive, a player, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's going to be more players missing games this season, I would envision, than usual. The more your team's success can be concentrated on a few things, I think the better as long as those things are awesome. And the Chiefs, no other team's fate is more concentrated on the health and the performance of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, right? And That's a great way to put it. And yep. if, if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, the Chiefs are screwed. We, we saw Matt Moore. I, I still think Matt Moore beating the Vikings is one of the best wins in franchise history, just for what it meant. Uh, got him a two seed, all that kind of stuff. But they're screwed long term if he gets hurt. Um, yep. But with every other situation, I mean, we were talking about this with our friend Timo on on Twitter. Marshall Yandy retires. What does that mean for Lamar Jackson's yards before contact running the football? Um, you know, we just talked about it with the Eagles. Like their quarterback, I think I think pretty highly of Carson Wentz. But when all the receivers got hurt. Hey that went to hell like there's so many things that are so dependent upon uh uh interconnected interconnectedness that a team like the seattle seahawks a team like the kansas City chiefs who put so much on one player's shoulder might actually be a better play for these tail events like the super bowl uh than they are in normal years can i you just reminded me of something remember when marshall yonda was hurt and the ravens with joe flacco were playing the jaguars yeah, because our boss at the time, chance. or our boss Rick, was like, "Why did you tell me to bet on the rate on the Ravens in London? Because they lost like thirty-five zero or something." I remember having this like <laughs> we had this argument. We're like, "Does it really matter that much?" I was like, "Clay's Campbell's just going to eat." Yeah. Oh man, um, you make fantastic points there, and that's exactly what I was thinking about with the Chiefs. It's like you, if you only had to count on one or two people in a situation where you just. You have no idea if the person you're left or to your right will be there and will be able to be counted on. That to me gives uh, is a lot of reason to bet on that team. Can and, I can I circle Chiefs back to another one though? Um, yeah, you got one left. Okay, 
it's also why betting on the Chiefs to win the AFC AFC West is a terrible bet. For the same reason that betting on them to win the Super Bowl is, I think, a sage bet, betting them betting on them to win the AFC West at minus 400 or minus 450, wherever, is an absolutely dreadful bet because of how tailored they are to Patrick Mahomes, right? If, if I need the implied probability to be 80 or 90%, then I don't want it all tied to one thing. If I need it to be 11 or 12%, I want it tied to one thing. You, know, you see what I'm saying? So if, if you're going to bet the Chiefs, I think over their win total is a bad bet. I think, I think to win the AFC West is a bad bet, but I do think to win the Super Bowl is a good bet, to your point. I'm with you there. Um, all right, anything else? No, um, I think that's it. I think this is uh, well, it was a fun time. I think we, we're still deciding on who we're going to have on the show Thursday. Yep, we got to figure that out. Um, but we we can do it. No one's going anywhere. No so, one is going anywhere. I might walk to Starbucks now that it's open again. But well, that's wow. far, as far as I'll go. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I've got to put my mask on and go to the grocery store at some point. Uh, my my issue is that the I have like this bandana that I've been tying on. I look like a complete idiot. And it keeps falling down my face, like halfway through the store. So I'm like walking around the store, like scrunching. Yeah, it's. I might order contacts again, just because I hate breathing <laughs> into my mask. Your glasses. And it fogs my glasses up. Obviously, we're all these complaining is you know tongue in cheek, of course, for people who have real problems that are dealing with. But like, that sucks. Yep, I'm with you there. All right, we'll stay safe. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a great week. Peace out.